Welcome to the official podcast where the bombs get thrown. I'm your host, May Shayla Bogan, and I introduce to you the Mike Bomb Podcast. Every night and I pray, asking Lord, let him hear, I got something to say. There's a fear out there, when it's coming your way, don't let it stop you from living for what you were made. It's not a dream, it's a destiny. All right, welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast with your host, May Shayla, as I am on this episode now with my special guest, Eric Nemchak. Eric, would you like to introduce yourself? How are you doing on this day? I'm good, Shay. Thank you so much. Yeah, my name is Eric. Um, I've been a WNBA fan since 2010. I've had season tickets for the Sky since 2012. Um, I've been writing for Swish Appeal, as you can see right there, uh, since 2019. Um, I just love the game. So thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, um, I had to bring you on the show because obviously we need to talk some more WNBA because it's not being talked about enough. Obviously, the expectations for the season is going to be, for the WNBA, of course, a mile high because of all that we have been seeing in women's sports this year from the NCAA to now. So with that being said, we got to kick it off with the WNBA draft. Even though it did happen already, it has passed. I believe it was this past May, if I'm not mistaken, or April, one of those two months. Um, from a scale, you know, one to 10, how would you rate this past WNBA draft? Um, so I think I'm a little harsher on this than some other people, uh, mainly because I've been following the league for so long now that I I feel like there are certain expectations that need to be met for it to be really taken seriously. Um, I thought it was okay. You know, maybe like a six out of 10, maybe a seven out of 10. Um, it has improved a lot from past seasons, I think in terms of, you know, time slots, uh, what network it's being broadcast on, um, in terms of general coverage as well, like leading up to the actual event, because that's what it is. It's it's a major event for these players, but it's still got a long way to go in order in terms of matching the actual product. Um, so first off the good, you know, I think the two hour time slot is awesome. Um, it should be enough time to give the network ESPN the, the proper amount of uh, the coverage that the league itself deserves. And I think the studio analysis is generally good. Um, there's a lot going on when, when the draft is happening in terms of, you know, teams making phone calls and, and agents making phone calls and players uh, and things like that. So it's, it's pretty chaotic. So I think given that the studio hosts at ESPN do a pretty decent job of keeping up to it because you got to consider, Shay, that not everyone who's watching the WNBA draft is a diehard WNBA fan. Not everyone who's watching the WNBA draft is a diehard NCAA fan. So you kind of have to consider your audience there in making like, okay, how do we cover the players in terms of, uh, you know, their them as professional athletes? How do we cover them in terms of them as as human beings? How do we cover them in terms of their collegiate careers versus their pro potential? Um, so I think that that's pretty difficult, honestly, and that's why I say I want to start out with the with the good for the WNBA draft. Um, there are a couple things I think they do need to work on. Um, you know, I can appreciate the personal angles uh, because, you know, every year there's there's always some kind of uh, 
there's always some kind of controversy about what uh, Holly Rowe says to a player, what she doesn't say to a player, what she brings up when she's speaking to a player. Like I said, all these players, they're, they're amazing human beings. They've got amazing stories. They've got unique stories that need to be shared. But I think this year in particular, there were a couple of lines that were crossed. Uh, particularly when when Holly made like a, a kind of a passive aggressive comment to Bria Beal, I think it was about her her offense, her her scoring game, and it was just super awkward. Like you you could see like Beal was just like, okay, like what am I supposed to say to that? Um, and then when when she finally did get drafted, uh, she made another comment. I think she was, Holly brought up her mental health, um, and I'm I'm a huge advocate of of speaking on your story when it uh, when it comes to mental health, but you need to let the person pick the time and place for that. Um, bringing it up like that, you know, I, I just feel like they're they're looking for, um, for these these angles like, oh, these, these players have had to overcome so much. Well, yes, but there are lines that that shouldn't be crossed in, in terms of overcoming personal struggles that I think they really need to work on. It's, it's kind of like a a read the room sort of thing. Like, would you want this question asked about you in in front of a national audience of how many people? I wouldn't. Exactly. You know, um, I think the presentation still needs some work. Uh, particularly, this is this is something for Sky fans in particular. But the Sky actually drafted a player in the third round, uh, Malashka from Middle Tennessee. They didn't even have a headshot for her. It was just I don't know if you remember that. It was just a silhouette on the screen. It's like, well, yeah, how does that happen? Because if you go to Middle Tennessee's website, yeah, she's got a photo. Like, yes, she exists. That's that just it just screams unprofessional. Like it's unprofessional. Yeah, and it's it's disrespectful to the players. And on that note. Once again, when it comes time to like the end of the second round of the draft, the third round of the draft, they kind of start like speed running it. We're like, they'll, they'll, they'll name the picks, they'll name the picks, but they'll still be talking about what happened before. Um, exactly. I know, I know you're a big NFL fan. Um, this is not the NFL draft. You know, this isn't a draft that right. goes on for days upon days. This is a 36 pick draft that, that gets done in two hours, maybe a little bit more. That should be enough time to kind of give each player their due. Because when you get to the end of the third round, it's kind of like, Okay, well, obviously these players are going to have a more difficult time making the WNBA roster, but they still at least deserve to be mentioned, I would say. This is a big moment for everybody involved. This is a big night for everybody, not just the WNBA teams. So I think a lot of fans would agree with me on this. They need to be a little more time efficient in how they kind of, you know what what I'm saying? Yeah, be more professional, be more respectable towards their prospects. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I'm actually glad that you said it and not me because I would have been a lot more, let's just say a lot more transparent, but in a more blunt way. You know what I mean? So it's like when they, I don't think the WNBA gets its applause. With all the great women athletes of the past who were drafted in the WNBA draft to now, it's like you would expect headed into season 26 and even though that may not sound major for many sports fans but for the WNBA and how far as it came the fact that it stuck around with all these major dominant male sport leagues like the NFL as you mentioned like the NBA like you know who else we're missing okay we're gonna say MLB, another team. Thank you. The NHL. It's just so many like dominant gap, you know, dominant male sport leagues that the WNBA in some way competes against to bring fans in. The fact that it's stuck around this long, you would expect them to give the WNBA more respect than they did. And the fact that these girls, you know, are the future of the WNBA, it should be headlines. We should have been talking about 
the WNBA draft on WNBA draft day like we would if it was the NFL draft, like we would if it was the NHL draft, like we would if it's the MLB and the NBA, especially the NBA, because like if we're, you know, when you're not talking about men's basketball, you're talking about women, whether you like it or not. And with all the great players, the Diana Taurasi's, the Sue Burr's, the Lisa Leslie's, the Maya Moore's, the Candace Parker's, the Aja Wilson's of the of the damn world you would expect them to have better applause than this and they didn't and it's like it's real mind-boggling because what else you want these women to do break their damn backs in order to get applaud but i i agree with you i expected more from the WNBA in the draft i did so i would give it a six because it wasn't a bad draft you know, it wasn't really that bad, but it could have been a hell of a lot better, especially with the way that technology has developed to make it easier on those who do produce. And I'm sorry to all the ESPN producers who does put in the work, but honestly, I might spill some tea that this ain't, you know, for sure, but... I'm going to just assume based off of what I've been seeing compared to the graphics, compared to the work, compared to the content and the time frame of all of it and how everything was so timely managed with the NFL, the NBA, MLB, other sports leagues. I'm going to just bluntly say that I don't think those who produced the WNBA draft was given that same exact material and timing as those who produced the NFL, the MLB, the M you know, the NBA, NHL, and other sport leagues. I don't because, and you can look and tell this is a major difference. You, I think it's like, they just might put those who are not really familiar with producing, who don't have that much experience enough to obviously get the job, but not enough to, um, you know, bring better content and bring better time and have and manage time and better. I don't think those who were given, who has that, are those who are producing the WNBA draft. I truly don't. You could tell the content's not the same. Like, for example, and we're going to get into this, is Aaliyah Boston. She was drafted number one overall to the Indiana Fever. She was without question, male or female, the, one of the biggest prospects coming into the major sport leagues. Like it or not, she was. Everyone was talking about, obviously, LSU winning the national championship kind of took the spotlight away from her, especially with them eliminating the Gamecocks, who were the defended champions in the NCAA tournament. But let's not forget that she was, without question, the biggest player before the rise of Caitlin Clark's and Angel Reese's and many more. You know, Flaugie's another one. But um, let's not act like she wasn't the talk of the town. She wasn't the talk of the draft. And she didn't even get remotely as much spotlight as, you know, no offense, but the Bryce Youngs and the CJ Straws got in the in the NFL draft. And I'm not saying that they didn't deserve the applause because obviously if you watch Alabama and you watch Ohio State, me being a Buckeyes fan, then you would know why they got what they got. But I feel like Aaliyah Boston, there's nothing that those two didn't do for Alabama or Ohio State that she did not do for South Carolina. She carried the tradition that, in my opinion, Aja Wilson left behind before she was drafted by the Aces. And she, did, and she didn't get the applause. Dawn Stanley is coaching these players. She's one of the best coaches in sports, man or woman, no matter what league. Pick them. She's up there with the best. And the fact that these girls come from people like that 
and from a woman herself or a human being, a you know, a coach of that caliber themselves and just doesn't get the applause. It's just utterly ridiculous. And I'm actually a, and this is kind of me blasting ESPN because you're supposed to be one of the major sport networks. You are the only, besides Bleacher Report, if my memory served me correctly, the only one who promotes women's sports in any way. And the fact that this is what you can give us, it's, it's a slap in the face. It's a slap in the face. I'll say that. Can I jump in for a second? I just want to mention one thing. Not only is ESPN kind of doing the bare minimum, I think, when it, in, in terms of covering female athletes, they're the television partner of the WNBA. Exactly. You see WNBA games on ESPN. So it's almost like they're shooting themselves in the foot by not giving them the extended coverage, you know, like you, you, you have a, the broadcasting rights for however many of these games, why would you not want to put more effort into promoting that? Yeah. And I honestly, it's a gender thing. We're going to call it like it is. It's a gender thing. Cause I don't think that they have the minimum rights with ES. I meant with the WNBA, the e, listen, I'm just asking for them to put the same amount of effort in the WNBA as they do the NBA or the NFL. That's it. We're not asking for more, but it's like as a women's sports fan and as a woman in sports yourselves or myself, correct me, I just want better. That's it. Totally but, reasonable. Totally understandable. I agree. Understandable. And now speaking of the number one overall pick, as she was, like we both already you know, covered, she was drafted by the Indiana Fever as the number one overall pick. What would be your expectations for rookie Aaliyah Boston this season? That's a good question. I think um, the expectations, I think, in general are very, very high because, like you said, she's an extremely decorated collegiate player. Um, she comes from the Don Staley tree. The, the Don Staley, She's a Don Staley product, and as we've come to expect from Don Staley players, they're very successful, and they, they earn that success. They, they demand that success. Um, so I think think with Boston, she's obviously a very gifted player, and I think she's going to be remembered as one of the few uh, true low post players that, that is going to kind of keep that style of play relevant. You know, the WNBA, I think, is kind of leaning towards, maybe not as quickly as the NBA did, but it's kind of leaning towards more of a, a spread offense, like not starting to, you know, post players, if you want to call them that, at the same time. But Boston is so good at what she does, um, you know, obviously blocking shots, offensive rebounding, but also the things that don't show up in the box score, like um, just positional defense, communication on defense, cleaning up the mistakes, um, screen setting, things like that. She's so good at all of those things. Indiana, the fever who drafted her, are going to have no choice but to kind of lean into that and make that their identity. Uh, what I do have questions about is how are they going to do that? Like, obviously, this is going to be their next franchise player, right? But they do have some other young players on that roster, too, who I think deserve some attention as well. Uh, you know, Kelsey Mitchell has languished in Indiana for a very long time. Now is one of the best scoring guards in the WNBA. And then they drafted Alyssa Smith at number two overall last season. So how are those pieces going to mesh? Um, are they going to be able to create an ecosystem on both ends of the court where Boston can fully flourish? Um, and that's why I think that, that kind of leads me into my next point. It's rare, I think, that uh, centers come into the WNBA and they adjust just like that. Because there are rule changes and you, you've got defensive three seconds. You've got, obviously, the, the strength of the game and the speed of the game is vastly different than what it was in college. So you've seen, you know, during preseason and, and during the Fever's first couple games of the season here, uh, she struggled with foul trouble, which is something she did not struggle with in college. So the games are officiated differently. Many would say worse. 
Um, but there are things that they're going to be growing pains as, as there are with any rookie. But I think the expectation is honestly is rookie of the year. Um, and not just because she's that good. I think it's because, because there are other great players too in this rookie class. You know, you've got uh, diamond Miller in Minnesota, who I think is, is going to be a great player in this league, but you look at the opportunity as well. She's drafted number one overall. They're making her the starter. They're making her this future centerpiece of the franchise. She's going to get to play. She's going to get those opportunities. How often, Shay, do you see, uh, you know, talented players get drafted to the league and then they're buried on the end of the bench because there's, you know, not enough minutes for them. There aren't enough roster spots for them, so on and so forth. People saying like, oh, why isn't so-and-so playing? Why isn't this player's X, Y, and Z playing? It's not because they're not good. It's because it's so hard to usurp the veterans of the league who have rightfully earned those spots, mind you, um, that, you know, it's difficult for them to kind of take that step from collegiate to professional. But Boston, she's in that position. Um, she has everything like she's got the endorsements already, the fever are leaning all the way into it. So I would expect rookie of the year and, you know, f- for the future, I know you said this season, but for the future, all defense, all-star nominations, I, I just expect that because I think she's going to be that good. And I think she is just that grounded, you know, like, you know, what you're going to get out of a way Boston already. And that's something that, you know, when you talk about a rookie, you can't always say. Exactly. Cause she's that great of a player and, a player like Aaliyah Boston, I feel like she, this is why we fight for women's sports to get, you know, to get the applause they deserve and to get just as many as she would if it was a guy. This is why people like her, athletes like her, because it's like they act like she's going to just come around, you know, every year. And she's not. It's not just because she's the best player, but she's the best player out of an extremely talented draft class. People forget Alexis Morris from LSU was in this draft class as well, even though unfortunately she was cut by the Suns. But we know we know what it took. You know, we we kind of in some way is disappointing because it's her. And with a player of that caliber, you wouldn't really expect that. But it's like. Unfortunately, that's the process of the WNBA It's that right there. So we're just going to get right into it because obviously that's something that needs to be talked about as well. Lack of fans, even with the increasement, lack of viewership, lack of promotion, all these crazy things that's happened in the WNBA. And in 26 seasons, it shouldn't be happening because it would not happen if it was any other sport league. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think you brought it up earlier. Um, it's a gender issue for sure. Yeah, I we'll stop. We'll stop. You said it wouldn't happen if it was a men's sports league, and and that's true. Um, what I think we need to remember is that the WNBA is the most successful league of its kind, especially in the United States. So um, looking at that, the WNBA is kind of forging its own path, but at the same time, just the the overall investment, I think, is still is still kind of holding it back from what it should become, if you would agree with that. Yeah, and I, I got to agree because it's like when you have a player like that and you have so many that came before her, H. Wilsons, you have people in the league like the Kelsey Plums and all of that in the world. You have Candace Parker who's still, you know, obviously not what she used to be, but does she really have to be? We're going to get more to her this episode too. But um. When you have players like that, you have the Chelsea Grays, you have, you know, who else were you having? The Sabrinas. We have many. It's just so, this is so much talent that, in my opinion, promotion wise, 
if viewership wise being wasted because people just don't believe in these women and believe in women athletes. So with that being said, what needs to be done for the WNBA to gain more fans and exposure? Well, um, the games need to be on TV, first of all. And that may seem like a, well, no dub, but that's something that the league has been struggling with since its inception. Um, how is how are people supposed to learn about the WNBA if they can't watch it? I mean, that's it's kind of a basic question, but it's it's true. How, how do they expect to grow the product if nobody can see the games themselves? You can't just expect word of mouth to grow this professional sports league into what it should be. Um, obviously, the marketing needs to improve and all that stuff, but the, the games need to be on TV. Full stop. And, and I don't care. And this isn't just a WNBA issue. This is a network issue as well. Um, the WNBA exactly. can't just say, hey, we're putting the games on, on, on this time. Deal with it. Like, no, like the networks need to they need to approve that. They need to invest as well. Um, so that's something they, they got to they got to put into the product in order to get something out of it. You know, um, and then the other major thing that I think has been an issue forever is the merchandise. Um, you look at what they have done in the past. The first thing I think of is the orange hoodie campaign indisputable success it, it was it was a, a smash hit i've got an orange hoodie countless wnba fans have the orange hoodie it's it's become you know the wnba merchandise product you know it, it's it's indistinguishable it, it's totally indistinguishable for anything else or distinguishable from anything else um we need more of that we need more of that i think the one thing is that uh, players jerseys need to be more widely available and also in a more timely fashion you still have players families coming on twitter saying hey how do i get your jersey and it's like well come on like what is going on with that that's that, that's not that's not acceptable and another unacceptable one, another thing this is not a purely WNBA issue this is you think about it they're partnered with nike all right like in terms of brands like you can't really get any better than that how is this still happening year after year after year after year when there is this constant demand for merchandise that isn't being met and it's like a snowball effect. It, it, it's, it's again, if you put into the product, you're going to get something out of it. The more merchandise is available, the more people will buy it, the more people will wear it, the more people will see it, and the more people will say, oh, it's a WNBA. That reminds me. I need to get out to a game or I need to watch a game on TV. I haven't seen it or anything. Like It's, it's, like, it's not that difficult of a concept. But for whatever reason, it's just something that isn't happening. Something's not clicking there, whether it's suppliers or retailers or the league itself. I think it's a it's a collaborative issue, if you will, but it's one that regardless needs to be addressed if the league is going to grow and also just be taken seriously as a professional sports league. Yeah. And I I can't I couldn't say it better myself. You know, you've just been hitting everything right on the money this show. You, you really have been. It's been right on the money because it's like you speak the mind that needs to be spoken, pretty much. Um Lack of promotion. We already touched on it. It's like you got the rights, you got the investment, use it, use it to all to all the advantage that you can. And the reason why they fail us because they don't. It ain't because you can't. It's I'ma just say it. You just don't give a damn to, and you've been showing it for 26 years. That's over a quarter of a century. Like I don't understand this. I'm. It's just frustrating because it's like. What else do you want the WNBA to do for you guys to get their word out there? They gave you the rights. They gave you everything you needed to promotion. They gave you the damn talent. Don't say it's not here. Don't say watching Lisa Leslie one era, 
watching Maya Moore, another era, watching CP3, Candace Parker, one era, while you were watching Diana Taurasi, while you're watching Sue Bird, or was watching Sue Bird, while you're watching, you know, the Aaliyah Bostons, the Aja Wilsons, the Kelsey Plums, the Chelsea Grays, while you're watching, you know, the Tina Charles, you were watching all these, you're watching all this talent right? You're watching the Sabrina Nescu's. You're watching the Brianna Stewart's. You're watching, you know, the Brianna Joneses. You're, you got the talent right there. So don't say it's not there. Like, don't, don't throw that BS in our face. Oh, and another name that's not getting off, you know, not getting mentioned often that should be is the Natasha Clouds. Don't say that the talent's not there because it is. These women, you know, can go with some of the best in the dub in the NBA, and that's a conversation people ain't ready for. And the fact that you don't, the fact that you got all this talent, I'm still waiting on the Candace Parker jersey. Can can I get one, please? <laughs> can I get one, please? Like the girl's been in the league for over ten years now. Can can I get a CP3 jersey, please? Can I get that? I, I want that. I want I want every Candace Parker jersey there ever was. That's my all-time favorite player. And the fact that you can't get it every time you click on WNBA merchandise or any website that sells it, you can't get it. That's utterly ridiculous. That's one of the biggest names in sports, one of the biggest markets in the past 10 years. You can't get her. You can't get a Kelsey Plum. You can't get an Aja Wilson. You can't get crap. You couldn't even get a Sue Bird or Diana Taurasi, and that's two of the best of all time without question. You can't even get a Brianna Stewart. You can't even get a Sabrina Nescu. And she's one of the biggest brands in all the sports right now. One of them, not the, but one of them. It's just like, I don't understand. I'm. It's frustrating because it's like, okay, what else has to be done? Oh, and another name that we that we did not mention, Brittany Grinder. You know, Skylar Diggins-Smith, who a lot of people forgotten about because, you know, she just had a, she just, pushed out a newborn baby not too long ago. And by the way, congrats on that. Um, Congratulations. It's just, I don't know. It's just so frustrating because it's like, what's the purpose of you having all these rights if you're not going to use it? Just to say you have it, not only that, but you're wasting your own money not putting the product out there because you got it there for what? That's like us. That's like me, right? Say if I was to go to Steve Madden and buy myself a pair of black heels and I never wear them, even though I have so much stuff in my closet that can, that them heels can go with for, especially for formal events. If I don't use those heels, what do you spend like a hundred bucks or something in heels for? If you're not going to use them, you want to get the best out them heels. You want to wear, wear it down. Shove it down people's throat. Say, hey, we got it. This is ours. Use it. They do not do that with the WNBA product, even with the talent and the will of fans that's caring to watch it. You're, they're not doing that. They're in that, in my rightful opinion, this is an editorial comment. They fail us sports fans. They fail us women. This is the ultimate reason why, in my opinion, not only because of you know, certain ignorance people out here in this world. And you even got some women that don't believe in this. Unfortunately, that's just how this world is. But they're slapping those like me, like you in the face, not using this to their advantage and not promoting the product the way it's supposed to be promoted. You know, and I want to take that one step further. I think another thing that's been lacking uh, historically for the WNB, and it's just kind of starting to pick up steam are the more individualized partnerships. Uh, I think the W is finally kind of realizing 
who their target audience needs to be. Um, so we're just kind of starting to see this come to fruition. Like the example that I like to use is, uh, is Dana Evans with her eyelash sponsorship with Opulent Beauty, who I, I believe she's a minority owner of that company or something like that. Um, she is identifiable by her eyelashes, by her makeup, right? Um, and I think that's that's so awesome. Obviously, I don't know anything about that, but there are a lot of people who do, and a lot of people who do appreciate that, and a lot of people who are going to look at her and say, like, yeah, that's Dana Evans. I'm gonna, I, I want to look like Dana Evans, or I think I can look like Dana. I look like Dana Evans. I want to know what she's doing to get those eyelashes on point. I want to know what she's doing to get that hair on point. You know what I mean? Something like that. You obviously need the big partnerships, like, you know, what do they have? We have Google, they have Amazon. But forming partnerships with companies and organizations that are specific to WNBA players, specific to female athletes, that's going to help them grow their own personal brands and thus increase their own marketability as players, right? So, you know, they, they recently kind of leaned into the uh, the cultural coverage, the cultural perspective. I think on the website, there is a, there's a weekly uh, designer clothing feature. Another thing I have absolutely no, no clue about, but many people do. Many people like that stuff. Uh, they're placing a greater emphasis on, you know, taking pictures of the players coming into the tunnel with their tunnel outfits or uh, their designer clothing. So I think a logical follow-up to that would be, okay, you're kind of drawing people in with that interest. So now why wouldn't, why wouldn't you like try to partner with those companies behind those things? Like the official clothing partner of Dijon Carrington, like whatever, I'm just giving an example. Um, so you're, you're putting the players out there, but now you're going to kind of follow that up. Like, okay, well, what's next? How do we really strike while the iron is hot here? So I'm seeing like a, an attempt, but there needs to be some kind of follow up to really kind of nail this because they, they, they've got I think they've got the target demographic down now. It's a matter of, OK, you, you, you get them hooked, but now you need the line in the sinker as well. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I'm actually glad that you brought up that because it's like I just feel like they're not getting the opportunities they should with that either. And it's like, OK, we know who they are. We know what they bring to the table. These are not ugly individuals we're talking about here. So these are actually beautiful women. So it's like, okay, they got the look. They got the talent. They got the personality, the charisma. Because to me, whether you're a men or women's athlete, you're not getting over it, you know, with at least without the talent, number one. The charisma, number two, because people want people with personalities. Like personalities that can't be overlooked. When they look at this athlete, they want to be like, wow, he's dope or she's dope. I would like to be more like them. Like, for example, in the NFL, obviously you're Patrick Mahomes. You somewhat got the look, right? But you think of Patrick Mahomes and you think of his personality like, okay, this is why people like him. This is why people would like Travis Kelsey. For example, Let's go back to the WNBA because obviously that's what needs to be back on. Let's say um, Candace Parker. She is a mood. You know, she makes some of the best, the best facial expressions. And it's like, yo, we really relate to this girl. She's really like us. And then her marketing, then her brand. If anyone questions her talent at this rate in her career, you're just a damn fool who's just fooling yourself and you're making yourself look like more of a fool. You can't question two NBA final titles, defensive player of the year, along with finals MVP. You cannot question that at this rate. And if you've seen her at Tennessee, you know what it was already when she got drafted by the Sparks. But like when you have athletes that have all of this and have all this type of caliber, you would expect them, you want to see more because it's like, okay, what is the side of them that we're going to like that does not pertain to the sport that they represent or the sport league they represent? And that's where the WNBA fails us at because they don't 
give their athletes or set their athletes up to have more opportunities to express that and to do that. And that's where lack of promotion comes into play and lack of individual partnerships come into play as well. And this is just my opinion, you know, but this is basically what I've been analyzing for the past 10 years that I've been watching the WNBA. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I think I, symp I sympathize uh, you as a, as a black woman, right? You, you come from this perspective that, that um, the athletes, they look like you. And I think that would be something where uh, those individualized partnerships, and, and I, I can't imagine how frustrating it must be for you to be watching this league and seeing them kind of skate by in the bare minimum, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it really pisses me off, you know, as a black and indigenous woman, it sucks. Because it's like, okay, this is my own people being treated like crap. Aja Wilson, to me, should be on billboards. Should be, she's one of the biggest stars in damn sports. The legacy she left behind in South Carolina. She brought, mind you, she was born and raised in South Carolina. This ain't just some, you know, girl with good looks that just got, over because of looks. If you see her on the court, she's a monster. There's a reason why that woman won, you know, WNBA Defensive Player of the Year, the same exact year the Las Vegas Aces won the finals. There's a reason for that. It's because the way she dominated in the paint, she dominated in the middle, she made everyone around her better, even though they really didn't need it because they what they brought to the table is another reason. Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, and many others. It's like, and obviously having Candace Parker there is only going to make her more dominant because, like, who the hell are you stopping now? But um, she should be she should be a big name. Don't tell me that the lack of opportunity to do that is not still not there when it is. The marketing, way more better. Social media, without question, makes it easier for you to get those names out there because she is not an ugly woman, so she's extremely pretty. She's, in, she's talented. She, she is well-achieved in college, and in the pros. So don't tell me that you don't have the capabilities to make this woman a household name when she already is a household name in the WNBA, but can she become as big as the male athletes? Can she get that fair chance that you would have gave her if it was a Steph Curry just coming out and getting on a championship rise? If it was just a LeBron James when he was just coming into Cleveland and he was just a second or third year player in this league. Can she get that same push that you gave Clay Thompson? Can she get that same push that recipes upon a soul, but you gave Kobe Bryant or hell Candace Parker should have been the one to get that push in my opinion. Um, Sue Bird should have got the same push as Larry. And that's just, and people may look at me like, Oh, you really think they're as good as these players. But if you watch the WNBA and you would have paid attention, you would know why. You would know why, because you'll be like, these girls can hang with the guys. Some of these women are better than the men that are being promoted in the sports world that's come from the NBA. And th this is not me trying to talk down on the NBA, because you're talking to a Lakers fan. So relax. But um, this I'm sorry, is by the someone... Way. <laughs> we ain't even going to talk about that. <laughs> we ain't going to talk I'm about just, that. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> I know. but <laughs> We going to speak it on a positive note there, because... That was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. But uh, <laughs> it's like these women deserve that, though. They they deserve that. And the fact that they're not getting it, and it's like, okay, come on now. 
Don't don't tell me that the promotion opportunities ain't there with social media, with the brands that they're affiliated with. Candace Parker is an Adidas athlete. Aja Wilson, if I'm not, I know Kelsey Plum is uh, with Puma, if I'm not mistaken. Then you have Aja Wilson that I believe is with Aces, if I'm not mistaken. If that's how you promote the brand, then you have um, who else we're missing? You have Sabrina, who's a Nike athlete. So don't tell me that they need more of this and they need more of that. No, they're a household name in the WNBA. They're one of the best in the league. They're arguably the best in their position. The, you know, the talent is there. The, the accolades speak for itself in college and in the pros. Obviously, Sabrina will have a long way to go because, but the New York Liberty is in the conversation for that this year. And we're going to get into more of that this episode as well. So don't tell me it's not there when it is. It's just the fact that you just do not give a damn to give them them opportunities because you're just afraid that the women just might outsell them in. That's really, I'm going to pull that type of card because the talent is there, the looks is there, and it's in the fact that you can see a woman play just as well as you see a man, it's fearfulness. And I don't think that's what they want. Very possible. You know, I, I need to tell you that I sit, uh, I sit courtside at Sky Game, so I'm right there on the floor. In my opinion, uh, the product right now, the, the level of play right now, it's, it's never been better. Um, and you really need to experience it in person. You really need to get those tickets and get out to a game to really appreciate just how athletic they are, just how skilled they are, just how good they are at the game in general. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually looking to get to a game. Even though I'm a Sparks fan, I'm definitely looking to get there to get to LA. But also, I'm also looking to see Agent Wilson in person. I want to see Candace Parker for the first ever time in person. And the fact that I can get that both with the Aces along with Kelsey Plum, who's starting to become one of my favorite players. As a matter of fact, she's my favorite shooter right now in the league. I ain't even going to hold it. I ain't even going to hold you. I love what I see from the Aces this year. But the fact that you got talent like that, and we're just getting lack of promotion like this. Like, it, this episode should not even be about this. We should be talking about what's next or in a positive form. But we're we're talking about that, but we're not talking about that at the same time. We're not speaking with the energy that we should be speaking in because it's like it's out of frustration. What needs to be next? And that's why I asked this question. What do you think needs to be done for the WNBA to gain its right exposure for, you know, the bring fans and to show them like, hey, yo, these girls can really go with the guys. These girls are some of them are better than the guys. If you put them in the freaking NBA, they could possibly go for a title or something. You could put them around a guy player. And my biggest fear <laughs> It's Aja Wilson and freaking LeBron James on the same team or Candace Parker and LeBron on the same team. I don't think anyone – I would not want to play that team alone. But transforming to a new topic, obviously, here, because there's a lot more to talk about. We speak on Candace Parker. We spoke on the Las Vegas Aces. So let's open it up. CP3 joining the Aces. Coach Becky Hammond suspension. But let's talk more on Candace Parker's – joining the aces first before we get into becky hammond um she joined the aces i believe she had, it was april she announced that she was joining the aces what was your thoughts when she first announced on instagram that she was joining the las vegas aces she is going to them with angel wilson will chelsea gray her former teammate if you're a la sparks fan you know their dates so you already know their chemistry along with kelsey plum under the head coach of becky hammond what were your overall thoughts and what was your first reaction to when she announced that she was heading there? 
Well, first of all, uh, I'm a Sky fan, so that's a little bit of a sore spot for me. But uh, that, yeah, it, it hurt a little bit. But my first reaction was, okay, she wants another ring before she retires. Um, and that's something I think has uh, opened up a little bit of a debate as well. Is she ring chasing? Because there's a little bit of negative connotation, I believe, with that. And I don't think she is, you know, because she's already been there before. She's won titles with the Sparks and with the Sky. So she just wants to go out on top. To me, there's a difference between, um, you know, like a vet at the end of their career uh, kind of latching on to a team, to the best team in the league so they can go out on top versus somebody who has led them there in the past wanting to go out on top. Um, but then you also think about, okay, what are the aces giving that other teams couldn't? Um, and that's, that's going to open up a whole can of worms. I mean, it already has in terms of the accommodations um, that they're able to offer. CP3, she said herself, I've never had a locker before in my WNBA career. And you think about just how strange that statement sounds. Um, you know, the Aces, they, they just unveiled that beautiful new practice facility that I'm extremely jealous of. But you Who ask yourself, <laughs> why was this not a thing before? Why did it take so many years for this to happen? Why aren't the other teams doing this? Um, so, again, this is this is not just about Candace Parker going to the Las Vegas Aces to win another championship before she retires. It's about setting off this domino effect, I think, throughout the league, because then you're going to have the other WNBA owners who are very, very wealthy, by the way. Don't let them fool you. They're very much they are very much in a position to make this happen. You're going to force them to open up their wallets and start to invest because, you know, you look at all these. I mean, the aces are already so good. You would think, well, does Candace Parker want Does she? You know, she's been the alpha on her respective teams throughout her entire career. Is she willing to go here to take a backseat, to take less money? under contract less money on her under contract to play for this elite basketball team you ask why well i mean the accommodations are right there like you look at there, there's no team like the aces in terms of promoting their own product in terms of treating these professional athletes how they should be treated as professional athletes and just getting all going all in on the presentation you know um I think it's kind of intrinsically linked now to uh, Dierica Hamby situation and, and, and Becky Hammond getting suspended, which you, which you brought up. But if you try to isolate it with just why is Candace Parker going to the aces, look at the aces, w which player would not want to, would not looking from the outside in from the outside at that organization and say, this is a damn great organization. I want to be treated like that. Cause I've been playing for how many years in this league and I've been getting that respect from the teams I've been playing for screw this. I want to go out. I want to go out a champ and I want to go out getting the kind of respect that I think I've deserved my entire career. Yeah. And when you're someone like Candace Parker, you're one of the all time greats. You are arguably the greatest. Some people would definitely like myself would definitely argue the greatest. Um, you mentioned the Diana Taurasi's. You mentioned the Subers. You mentioned the Lisa Leslie's. You mentioned the Maya Moore's. She is up there with them, whether people like it or not. And Candace Parker, without question, have paved the way, not just for women basketball players, but for women athletes and for women to matter in the sports industry. She's one of the pioneers. So when you have someone of that caliber who would definitely, without question, bring tickets in, bring sales in, bring other people in, alone candace parker alone can sell out of stadium because who wouldn't want to watch her but obviously as you and i both touched on the lack of promotion the lack of basically yeah just the lack of promotion the lack of care basically it's it's the cost of that this that's the reason why she didn't get the steph curry you know the steph curry push that he got in the nba and not saying that he doesn't deserve it because that would be utterly foolish but 
It's the fact that when you have someone that's just as talented as her, who has made just as big of an impact in her respectable sport league as he did in his, if not a little bigger, you could definitely argue that. It's like, it's mind-bothering. It's mind-bothering because this is just a sign of just lack of respect and a lack of care. That's really what this is, and that's really what it's coming down to. So the fact that the Las Vegas Aces, with Becky Hammond leading the way, who many people were so disappointed was turned down by NBA, you know, for co head coaching jobs, came back home to where she built her name, the WNBA, and became the head coach. So you already got someone who you know is going to make an instant impact because from her playing from her playing days to coaching to what she done on the, the San Antonio Spurs to now coming back coaching her own team with a player like Aja Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Green, and many more that it's it's getting to us. You know, it's getting so hard to name. And what people seem to forget, Alyssa Clark is now on the team. So that is now, it's like you're Candace Parker, you're going for the ring. I really think, like, you know, you're going for the best shot of leaving out on top. She already hinted at retirement last year. It hurt me. And see, and now you know how I feel as a Las, as a Los Angeles Sparks fan, even though the I think the sky probably would have tried to keep her if she wanted to be kept, obviously. The Sparks made a huge and dumb careless mistake because I don't think she would have left L.A. if they would have not trying to basically play her out for her age because, huh, now they're stuck looking stupid. Thank God they do got Lexi Brown because I don't know. But um, it's just, it's just mind-bothering. But switching gears a little bit because we spoke on Becky Hammond. Obviously, unfortunately for many others, Becky Hammond was suspended by the WNBA this past, you know, past month for two games, of course, because one for her comments towards former Aces player Dorica Hamby, leading to the Las Vegas Aces being stripped of the first round draft pick. Um, to all of you that may not know, she was apparently impregnated. I'm not sure. Didn't really hear much about that. And she didn't like how she was being treated by the Las Vegas organization, the ACES organization here, which led to her trade, I believe, to the Los Angeles Sparks. The ACES, though, as after investigation, was stripped from a first-round draft pick, you know, in this upcoming draft, and then Becky Hammond was suspended for two games. So with that being said, what are your overall thoughts on Becky Hammond's suspension, and what do you think can happen now for the Aces? Well, first of all, uh, congratulations to Dierka Hamby on the birth of her second child. I really hope, I sincerely hope that she's getting the resources that she needs now that she implied that she wasn't getting before. Um, in my opinion, this is a really multifaceted issue because we don't really know, you know, the Aces were under investigation for this, and then when the, the punishment was doled out. The Aces came out and said, "No, no, no! These, this, they're lying. Like nothing, none of this happened. So this is this isn't something that's just going to go away. I don't think. Um, obviously, Hammond was dead in the wrong for making those comments. I would say, um, WNBA players. This should go without saying, but WNBA players should feel safe and supported 100% by the respective organizations when it comes to their personal lives. That's to me, that's like non-negotiable. That that should be the bare minimum of what we're asking for here." Um, it does make me wonder, though, how many times has this happened before and we didn't know about it? Um, when Skylar Diggins was uh, pregnant with the birth of her first child, 
um, she called out the Dallas Wings, who she was playing for at the time. She was saying they were giving him, uh, giving her uh, limited resources. Um, didn't expand on what those those resources were, but um, she said that she was suffering from postpartum depression, um, and that led to her leaving the Dallas Wings. Um, to me, like if if we're talking about this, kind of goes hand in hand with the lack of respect and the lack of resources in the league right now. Um, if this is something that you know, these players are putting out on social media now. I can't help but wonder what was going on before, like the rise of social media, when the WNBA was first, you know, growing, how they were being treated back then. Um, because, you know, Skylar Diggins was not the first WNBA player to get pregnant. Dierka Hamby was not the first WNBA player to get pregnant. This was happening before. Um, so how are these organizations supporting the players in their personal lives when they're, when they're starting families and, and growing families? Um, I think there needs to be a long, hard look at what's going on behind the scenes there. Uh, and in terms of Hammond's actual suspension, a precedent needed to be set. Um, if that was fair or if it was too lenient or if it was too harsh, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to talk about that, uh, cause there was no precedent before, you know, it's like, we're looking at this. I'm like, okay, wow, this is not, I've never heard of a coach getting suspended for making disparaging comments to one of her players who was pregnant. Like that's kind of something you've got to like. Let's sink in a little bit. Um, what I do think needs to happen, though, is they, they can't just stop with this investigation. You know, there needs to be, I think, a long, hard look at how organizations are accommodating players who are giving birth and who are mothers to, to, to children, to several children, um, and see, like, okay, are these players being, being taken care of to the best of our ability? Because once again, these owners are worth a lot of money. They're worth a lot of money. And if they're not investing in practice facilities, if they're not investing in transportation, what else are they not investing in? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I'm definitely I definitely get what you're saying because it actually does bring in a huge question that I think needs to be brought to the forefront. Is is she the only player? Obviously, you just answered no because Skylar Dingus Smith came, you know, went through the same thing with her previous organization which is the Dallas Wings. And social media, without question, kind of ruined this generation, but benefited it at the same time because of things like this, things that many people can now know about because they don't have to click on their TV. The only thing they have to do is scroll on their phone and hear, you know, X, Y, and Z has been suspended for violating league's policy rules or, you know, basically... Uh, how I'm supposed to word this and make sense at the same time. Like they basically just did not properly handle their employees within labor. I think that's a better way of putting that. It's, I think there's more stories than being told. I think this is definitely going to lead to a lot of former WNBA players just coming out saying, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I'm on your side, Hamby, because this has happened to us X, Y, and Z did this to us back then when we was playing for, you know, let's say the Sparks, not trying to throw anybody here or the Wings or whoever, you know? And the fact that this is coming now more to the light is what's needed because this is also going to enforce ownership to start taking the organizations that they run more seriously and start being more careful with who they're bringing in because some people who could be, good in front of a camera and good for like success may not be good for the players or the other employees within the organization 
mentally and emotionally, and that can cause a lot of departures to happen, as we all saw. But switching gears here a little bit, uh, more on a positive note, we speak on teams in the WNBA. And we speak on the postseason, which unfortunately, believe it or not, is coming around the corner. Not now, obviously, but around September, October is when things start heating up. So in your right opinion, who are the teams, in your opinion, that would make the playoffs in the WNBA this season and who won't make it? Well, given that it's a 12-team league and two-thirds of them make the playoffs, I think it'd be easier to start with who's not going to make it. Um, not to be a negative Nancy or anything, but I think you look at the teams that are clearly rebuilding, uh, you know, like Indiana, I think is a given. They're still not quite there yet. I think they needed a couple more pieces and just more experience in general. We talked extensively about Aaliyah Boston, and I think she is going to be a player who can lead them to the playoffs in the future. But, you know, first year, let's let's temper expectations a little bit. Um, both the Minnesota Lynx and the Seattle Storm are entering rebuilds. Um, they've had legendary players who have retired, uh, you know, Sylvia Fowles from Minnesota and Sue Bird from Seattle. And Seattle, of course, lost Brianna Stewart in free agency as well. So that's something that you can't just overcome in, in one offseason. So I think for them, they're both kind of taking the approach of uh, player development, seeing what they've got for the future. Um, if they luck, if they get, get draft lottery lucky and they get a player like Caitlin Clark, I'm sure they will not be too upset about that. So I think they're kind of leaning towards uh, that possibility. So then th that leaves the uh, the question of who that fourth team is going to be to miss the playoffs. And I think you've got, you know, a few uh, uh, contenders, if you want to call it like that, um, teams that are kind of like on the same tier of maybe they get in, maybe they don't, you know, only so many teams can make it. So I would say, uh, you know, Phoenix, for as much as, as uh, we love Brittany Griner, as, as much as we'd love to see her back, uh, I think I've got some concerns about how much depth that team has. You look at their bench, there's a lot of question marks there. Um, Chicago, I'm they they're starting off pretty well. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised, but I'm not sure how they're going to score against like the very best defenses in the league. Another team that lost a ton in free agency, um, the Los Angeles Sparks. I think they're also off to a pretty decent start, but they've got a lot of injury issues as well. I'm not sure like when Jasmine Thomas or Ezra Stevens are coming back. They lost uh, Stephanie Talbot to an ACL injury before the season even started. Uh, Katie Lou Samuelson, congratulations, by the way, having a baby. But they're, they're kind of shorthanded now because of all that. Um, and then Atlanta, you know, the, the dream, I think they took a big step forward last season. Um, and I think they're kind of expected to be a little better this season. But I'm not sure by how much. Um, I've got some questions still about how much shooting they have, about how much uh, shot creation they have. Ryan Howard is a tremendous player. Um, but can she take that next step this year as, as a sophomore? Uh, you know, as the reigning rookie of the year and lead that team to contention. Uh, so again, it's like, as I'm not, I'm not saying any of those teams are bad or anything. It's just someone has to miss out. Someone has to miss out. Um, but as far as teams that will make the playoffs, I think New York and Vegas, obviously Givens, um, Connecticut and Washington, Givens, both great basketball teams. I think Dallas is going to have just enough to continue that steady improvement they've, they've been showing over the past couple seasons. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so, for me, it's easier just to say who, who's not going to make it. I, I don't mean to sound negative or anything like that, but in the reality of it, it's a 12-team league. Eight teams make the playoffs. So the majority of the league makes the playoffs, right? So um, that's that's just my opinion on, on who to watch for and who to not. Yeah, and honestly, you know, I'm expecting the Sparks to make a, to, to make a much improvement from last season. But as a Sparks fan, I got to agree with you. 
Um, I don't think they have enough what it takes to make the playoffs. I think they still need one or two more pieces before we can start bringing them into playoff contention. And we need a head coach and a general manager that we don't have question marks about. And unfortunately, we still do. So it's like when you have all of that, it's hard, especially in a conference that has a team like the Aces. Um, You know, you got teams – it's going to be difficult for the Sparks to make the playoffs. And I definitely agree with you about, you know, the sky without question. Losing Candace Parker, losing Courtney Vandersloot could definitely be some big losses. I definitely agree with you about the fever because Aaliyah Boston, okay, who else are you going to put around her? What else are you going to bring? Like, you know, you got to continue to build the team. It's going to take more than a big three, but a big three needs some role players. And I think that's what they're missing. Um and then you mentioned another team. Uh, remind me of the team you just mentioned, sir. Sorry. Oh, teams. Uh, Phoenix. Yeah, Mercury. Phoenix. Yes. Yeah. Skylar Diggins Smith, Diana Taurasi's getting to their age. The Phoenix Mercury don't have the team around her, so I think it's just like with Diana, pretty much at the end of her career. Um, Brittany Griner just get back into shape. Obviously, she still didn't lose it. She still got some more, but you lose Skylar Dickens Smith, which is going to be a big blow without question because she's one of the you know she's one of the best in the WNBA on the court and off. But who you got around them? Lucy Tina Charles hurts. Now you you know you're gonna need you're gonna need a big you're gonna need another big person, and Brittany Griner is not going to be able to do it all by her, herself. So it's like. Unfortunately, I don't see any of those teams making the playoffs that you mentioned, so I have no choice but to agree with you. It sucks and it hurts as a Sparks fan, but the facts are the facts. And like we said, this is a podcast where the bombs get thrown, and that's the bombs. It's the truth. So, therefore, we got to keep it real on the show. We got to keep it real. But um, speaking of the show, we're coming to the conclusion of this episode. And before I let you go, I got to ask you your overall thoughts. What are your thoughts on the WNBA season so far, and what are your expectations for it? Uh, my thoughts, I mean, first thought is I'm, I'm looking forward to watching more basketball. I love this league. I love the community. I love basically everything about it, except for the whole things that we last 50 minutes about, we talk about how everything is terrible, but I think for the most part, I, it's, it's my thing. It's my home away from home, if you will. It's, it sounds cheesy, but that's what it is. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing who these, the, the next tier of teams is because you've got, I think that the major storylines are going to be the aces and the Liberty throughout the entire season. We're expecting, I think those teams to be the two teams that are competing for the title at the end. But I mean, if you, if you look at last year, pretty much everyone is expecting it to be either the aces in the storm or the aces in the sky. And that's not what it was at the end of the day. You still got to play the games. Um, I wanted with, the aces in the sky. I ain't going to yeah, lie. Well, I hey, wanted that. You're preaching to the choir on that one, but uh, <laughs> I think you still got to play the games and it's going to be a 40 game season, which I believe that's the first time that's happened. So they're extending the season a little bit. They're, they're experimenting with, you know, the commissioner's cup and all that stuff. So um, in internal growth uh, little by little, little by little, some of these things, I, I just hope they're kind of keeping up, keeping everything under the microscope and kind of evaluating what's working and what isn't. But getting back to my original point, I think one of Connecticut or Washington may surprise some people. Maybe not surprised because I think the general consensus is they're pretty good basketball teams. But can one of those teams upset one of the aces in the Liberty in the playoffs or even finish above them in the standings? That's something I'm going to be looking for. And they also made a couple real changes prior to the season. I love instituting the coaches challenge um, because the WNBA referees struggle often. And I think the coaches need some kind of way to hold them accountable. And maybe, maybe that's maybe accountability is the wrong word there, but I um, you know the NBA has been messing around with the coaches challenge for a while now. I know NBA coaches do not typically win their challenges when they make them, 
but they need to have that at least at their disposable disposal when the ref makes just an atrocious call that's clearly wrong. Um, the coach needs to be able to defend their players, you know, um, and, and get that foul off the board or get that call overturned or whatever, or at least try. And I really like that. I really like that because it makes the referees at least a little bit less of this omnipotent force that, you know, can never be questioned or anything like that. So um, WNBA fans have been complaining about the officials, rightfully so, for a very long time now. So I think I speak for all of us when I say, yes, the coach's challenge is a great thing. Um, and there's also the transition take foul thing that once again, it's coming over from the NBA. That's going to, I think, speed up the pace of the game a little bit. And, you know, whenever you see more points on the board, that's probably better for the product, you know? Yeah, I I definitely know that. And when, obviously, more, like you said, you hit it right on the note. You know, you took every word out of my mouth when you said the more promotion, the better the product. And what do you mean by the better the product? All of you who don't understand is the fact that the more you know about it, the better the viewership goes, the more fans, you know, the more fans you're going to gain and the more exposure you're going to get in a good way. Obviously, it's going to come with haters who just too ignorant to understand that women can be great athletes and pretty as well. But we understand that we knew that coming into here. We understand that, you know, unfortunately we're all in a country and we're all in a world where um, people just don't believe that women should have the same rights as men and could do what a man can do. And obviously many women like in sports, and this is me speaking in general, the Serena Williams, the Florence Joiners, the who else we're missing here. We're missing the Lisa Leslie's. We're missing many more, the Venus Williams and others like that in this world who obviously shut those up and prove them wrong but there's still a long way to go unfortunately and when you have all of that and you have you know that much talent only thing it takes is a great promotion a great promo obviously a great bomb to get dropped and here we are so um before we wrap up this episode eric is there anything you would like to say before we wrap this up um yeah thank you very much for having me on i really appreciate that i love talking ball i love talking WNBA. Um, I'm on Twitter at Nemchak E. So that's my last name and my first initial. Some people get confused about that for some reason, but it's my last name and my first initial. So at Nemchak E, um, I write over at swishappeal.com about the WNBA, uh, roughly two articles per week. I'm covering so check the WNBA. That out. Yes. I really appreciate that. Granted, it's not for clicks, so don't feel obligated to click. I don't get paid by ad revenue. Thank God. But yeah, if you really want to, um, if you would like to support my work, please check it out. I love feedback. I love when people interact with my work because it makes me feel fulfilled. So thank you very much in advance for doing that. And if you already do, I appreciate you so much, but otherwise uh, I look forward to talking hoops with you and uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Eric, can you please repeat the website one more time? Yeah. So it's swishappeal.com. It's the SB nation affiliate for women's basketball. So you see, I have on my little uh, ticker here thing, swish appeal. It's just swishappeal.com. Awesome. So if you guys haven't already, please give this guy a follow on Twitter at Nemchucky. Like he already said, give me a follow on social media everywhere, pretty much Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter. I'm all over, even TikTok at Shaymax Sports. Um, this is your host, May Shayla, and your special guest, Eric Nemchuck, signing out. And this has been the Mike Bomb Podcast. Welcome to the Mike Bomb Podcast, the podcast where the bombs get thrown. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode. This is your host, May Shayla, exiting out. But before I do, I would like to take the time to thank everyone who has subscribed, followed, and listened to the podcast and for your overall support and love. 
If you are interested in getting more news and updates about the podcast, such as new episodes, new seasons, you can now subscribe and follow the podcast on your favorite platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Pandora Radio, Google Podcasts, and much more. Or you can visit www.themikebomb.com for news updates within your favorite sport leagues, along with more news about the podcast. Thank you for your support, and see you next episode. Every night and I pray, asking